This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. I've often heard Gary say when he's talking about the thieves of productivity, one of them is the fear of chaos. The idea that when you go into doing your one thing, it's not like the world stops spinning. You know, it's not like the emails stop piling up or the meeting requests cease to exist or the customer fires, just they just magically disappear. And the deeper you go into your time block, the deeper you go into your one thing, how it just sometimes feels like you're in a submarine. And the deeper you go, the more the pressure mounts up to the point that you just want to pull your head above water and go <gasps> and take a deep breath and clear all the 80% off and get it off your plate. And it's a thief of productivity. Yet what we don't talk about in the one thing is what happens when your actions aren't aligned with your goals and your values over time. What happens when real stress, real anxiety starts to build up and how do you deal with it? Today, we are having a guest on that we had on initially back in June of 2017. It was episode 45. It was titled, The Biggest Mistakes Successful People Make in Their Routines. You fast forward to today, he is now a Wall Street Journal bestseller of the brand new book called Unstoppable. He's the author of The Perfect Day Formula. And we're gonna be talking about what does it look like to battle the stress and anxiety that can build up when you are on that road to achieving the extraordinary. With that, let's get into this episode with Wall Street Journal bestseller of Unstoppable, Craig Ballantyne. Craig, it's great to have you back on the show. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. For for people who did not hear episode 45, which was titled The Biggest Mistakes Successful People Make in Their Routines, give us a sense of who you are and what your business has looked like over the past few years. Yeah, great question. So I started off in the fitness world selling fitness information products on the internet. Then I moved into helping people become more productive, helping entrepreneurs, uh, real estate agents, all these great people become more productive, get more done. And I ended up writing this book called The Perfect Day Formula, which kind of brought you and I together, among other things. Um, there's a, a little bit of an overlap with the one thing, obviously, about being focused in the morning. That's really been a message I've been taking to the world. And we had a really great chat back on that episode. And we really talked about the mistakes some people make in their morning routines that get them off track. So you fast forward to today, you uh, you just hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list with your new book, yeah. Unstoppable. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So walk us through what, what does it mean to actually be unstoppable? What's it about? Yeah, this book, you know, there's a lot of things that can mean. This book is in particular about really high performer and entrepreneurial anxiety, overcoming the stress and overwhelm that we have in our day-to-day -day lives because really there's so much clutter going on in our heads. There's so many things that we can do. And this book puts people on the path to overcoming that both physically and uh, not to say psychologically, but also in the planning phases so that they can focus down on what matters both in their personal and professional lives. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, 
lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash O-N-E-5-0 and use code O-N-E-5-0 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. How did this, uh, what, what did this look like in your life? I've got to imagine that there's a personal reason for bringing this message to the world. Yeah, absolutely. It really is my life's mission to help people overcome anxiety. In general, uh, over 40 million Americans suffer from it every year, which is a lot of people. You know, that's more than 10% of the population. And I suffered from it very bad back in 2006. I was a young man, very successful financially. I was able to quit my job as a personal trainer and build this online business to six figures and more. And so I had more money and more freedom than I needed to have at that time. And I suffered from what I call the paradox of freedom, which you could also look at as the paradox of choice, which you may have heard about. You know, people, people's minds are not really set up to have 19 different options. And that's why you might struggle when you go to a menu or you know, a restaurant, and there's a menu with too many things on it. So <laughs> I had the paradox of freedom. Yeah, I had the paradox of freedom where I actually, I worked too much. I had no boundaries in my life. And ended up leading to these crippling anxiety attacks that led me to the emergency room twice. So I thought I was having a heart attack. There I was, 29 years old. Uh, everything going in my life, I was in the best shape of my life. And yet here I was going to the emergency room with anxiety attacks. And I went through it and I went through basically from the first anxiety attack to when I had uh, kind of resolution of it was a full six months. There was a six-week period where it felt like I was having a heart attack for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I know the physical symptoms because I have an exercise physiology master's degree. I'm very well versed in that. And I had a lot of crazy thoughts running through my head like, oh my goodness, am I going to die and all this stuff. But fortunately, I found out that I was not. And I turned over every rock in my recovery. So I talk a lot about in my book about the physical stuff that you need to do meditation and yoga and breathing. Well, most importantly, it's breathing. You don't have to do all of those other things, but you do have to get to the to the breathing aspect that goes along with those things. Because real, real quick, uh, Jeff, I'll give you a real quick little scientific lesson here. There's basically two nervous systems in your body that control how you feel and how you act. And so there's a sympathetic nervous system, which is known as the fight or flight response, which that's what you feel, you know, when you you walk in and like you're home and there's uh, you know a broken window. You're like, oh my goodness, you know, you, and you're like, I, I either need to be ready to attack somebody or I need to run out of here. And the thing is, is that is the way that we operate a lot in our lives. You know, we're in a traffic jam, we're getting all angry, and then we're at work and we're all stressed. And so this sympathetic nervous system is overwhelmed. Now breathing comes along and activates what is known as the parasympathetic nervous system, which calms you down. So if you've ever done yoga or meditation and you've sat there and you've done deep belly breathing and you felt that calm and relaxation that comes over you, that is what it is. Your parasympathetic nervous system is taking over. So mm. we need that in place to counteract the day-to-day -day stress and anxiety that is brought on from all that other stuff and the adrenaline that is associated with the sympathetic nervous system. So just real quick there, and, and that's what the was one thing that really helped me. When I look at the people who listen to this show or who follow the one thing, heavy professional focus, a lot of them are in corporate America, whether they're in leadership or not. And then we've got a strong contingency of entrepreneurs and business owners. 
What do you see as being the catalyst that leads to so much stress and anxiety? It's a great question. So it's being reactive. And it all goes back to, okay, so let's say you know someone's a busy entrepreneur executive, doesn't matter which one. They have a couple of young kids, you know, a partner in the house. Everybody's super busy. There's so much going on, right? There's so many things we want to achieve, both for the kids, they got to get into college, all that stuff. So we're waking up a little bit late. We're hitting snooze. Okay, now all of a sudden you're 10 minutes behind the eight ball here. You get up, okay, kids are running late, everybody's running late, no time for good food. So we grab something on the way there. We go to Starbucks, we get a coffee, which nowadays has twice as much, three times as much caffeine than what our parents had when they were getting you know, maybe 80 milligrams of uh, caffeine in a coffee. Now you're getting a monster energy drink with 150 milligrams. You're getting venti um, Starbucks with 200, 300 milligrams of caffeine. Research proven that if you have more than 200 milligrams of caffeine per day, you have a 30% increase in anxiety or depression. Hmm. So you have, we have all, we're so caffeinated, right? You can get caffeinated alcohol, you can get caffeinated, you know, candy, you can get caffeinated everything. So we have all this caffeine to keep us going because we get through this crazy day and we got all this stuff and there's so many distractions, there's social media, we're getting hit with the, the bings, bells, buzzers, the, the red circles, all the dopamine hits going through us. And we have these busy days where we have a lot of activity and no accomplishment. We probably get home late. We are on our phones and not present with our family. Uh, so there's a little bit of stress and tension there. Then nobody's getting to bed on time and they don't fall asleep well because they had caffeine way too late in the day. And the next thing you know, we start the cycle all over again. So that's why it doesn't matter if, if you know, I have, I've talked to people that are house, you know, house parents, both you know, stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home moms that have dealt with this. Teenage anxiety is through the roof these days. You know, the social media comparison syndrome adds to it, makes it worse. And so, Jeff, that's why so many of us struggle. Even if we don't have the the crippling anxiety like I did, we certainly can all relate to some form of anxiety if we're not controlling it by being proactive. Yeah, well, as you were describing all that, first, I feel like so many people listening to this can resonate with at least some part of that. They're going, yep, at least that (laughs) one part is me. And the other thing that I had Gary Keller in the back of my mind going, sometimes you're failing so slowly you think you're succeeding. Because for me, like when I think about the caffeine or having that, I can tell myself the story that, you know, two cups in the morning and then a a cup around three o'clock. Like it's it's great. It keeps me going. Sometimes I have one when I get home. And because we don't see the consequences of these actions immediately, we are failing so slowly. We think we're succeeding. But just like the domino effect, great- yeah, over time that really compounds and can lead to catastrophic events. Yeah, it's a really great point that you said there that most people don't make the connection. And I have this little thing that I actually teach in the book. It's called watching the movie of your day or the movie of your week if you want to do this on a weekly basis. Hmm. But what I do is I would say to you, Jeff, okay, you know, maybe it's seven o'clock at night. You and I are sitting down uh, at dinner, or, you know, maybe just having a, a chat, maybe having a tea instead of a coffee late at night. And, and we say, well, Jeff, what did you have planned today? And you take out your to-do list and your schedule and you say, or your diary and you say, okay, here's the plan. You know, I want to get up at this time. I wanted to focus on this thing. I wanted to do the gym. I wanted to you know, have breakfast with the family. I wanted to get off to work. I wanted to do this. And you know, I wanted to have meetings in the afternoon and then I wanted to get home and I, I want to get to bed early tonight because I have a flight in the morning. Great, okay. Now it's seven o'clock at night. We can go through your day and go, okay, got up early. Perfect. Didn't hit the snooze button. Good. 
oh, but you know what? All of a sudden, uh, maybe after breakfast, but before work, you got into some social media, it threw you off. You weren't you know, really well planned for your meetings in the afternoon. Somebody noticed it. And now when you go, okay, I see what happens here. There's a pattern. I do this, this happens. I've got to change that. Mm-hmm. Because I always use like, yeah, I always use this really common example of, you know, like the Homer Simpson, if you think of like a Homer Simpson, right? Homer Simpson goes to like a Burger King for lunch for 30 years of his life and wonders why he falls asleep at two o'clock in the chair. You know, he never makes that connection. And so many people go through life in that zombie phase. Oh, I'm tired. I'm always tired in the afternoon. Well, why don't you look back a little bit and see what you did up to that point mm-hmm. to, to see? And so going back to the caffeine, I, you know, I do this every single day. I, I do this movie in my life. And I realized if I was tossing and turning at night, it was because I consumed caffeine too close to bedtime. And then I went and looked at some science and it shows you should really, really shouldn't consume, most people shouldn't consume caffeine 10 hours before bed. And I talked about this in the perfect day formula with my 103210 formula for getting to sleep. And so I teach that to people. I say, listen, you know, if you toss and turn at night, it's probably one of two things. One, you had too much caffeine or some other stimulant too close to bedtime, or two, you didn't use my exercise called the brain dump to get all the thoughts running out of your head. Mm. Now all, you know, your mind is racing. So we want to do those two things, cutting back in caffeine, doing a brain dump, emptying your mind, and then doing some deep breathing, and you'll fall asleep on time and have a good night's rest. Yeah. So I see kind of two elements to this. There's the nutrition health aspect to the the stress and the anxiety. And then there's how we actually operate throughout our days in a professional capacity, how we gain clarity on our priorities, how we choose to execute on our priorities. What's your experience been with this? So what I found is that on the health side, you make the immediate decreases and reductions in stress and anxiety. So, you know, there's a there's a guy named Dr. Andrew Whale. Everybody's probably seen a picture of him on on the internet. It's W E I L, and he has this big beard, and he's like an old kind of Wilfred Brimley looking kind of guy. And he has this really great breathing exercise that everybody can do that will calm themselves down. It activates that parasympathetic nervous system that I talked about before. And if you do, it's a four second in, seven second hold eight second exhale and you breathe in through your nose and you fill up your belly and you do that and you go through a couple of rounds, like two minutes and you'll really feel calmed down. So you have that aspect. And then on the nutrition side, you stop drinking so much caffeine, you really cut back on the alcohol. The next thing you know, you're sleeping better. You get a little bit of exercise out in the sunshine. You don't have to take up marathon running or anything in order to get rid of anxiety. And the next thing you know, within a couple of days, you've really made a dramatic change. Now, here's the thing. If that's all you did, you'd still be fighting it off. You have to go and do the planning. You have to go and do the big thinking. You have to go and pull yourself back and do a high level look at your business, your career, and the decisions you're making, the actions. One thing, one thing that I talk about in my book, Jeff, is the fact that a lot of us are misaligned. We say we want X, you know, whatever goal. And if you took a look at our actions, <laughs> you're taking us in the opposite direction, <laughs> right? You probably know a few people like that. I just, I'm just giggling. I'm giggling because I'm thinking back to every time we do corporate training and we start talking about the fact that it's a lie that everything matters equally. And people are like, well, yeah, of course, checking email doesn't matter equally to casting a vision or is sitting in meetings doesn't matter equally to building relationships with your most important customers. Yet if we followed them around with a camera and documented uh-huh. their every move, 
their actions would tell us that they believe that everything matters equally. Oh, well, they would, it would show that email matters a whole lot more. Yes, they all matter, they all matter equally, but one matters more equally than the other to, yeah. to steal a line from yeah. Animal Farm. So, <laughs> so, what, so what I found, uh, Jeff, is that you know I always use the analogy, the, the little quick story that everybody can get and have a chuckle at is, you know, Mrs. Jones would come to me back when I was a personal trainer and say, hey, Craig, I want to lose 20 pounds. I go, great, Mrs. Jones, tell me what you eat. And oh, well, you go to you know Starbucks, I get a unicorn frappuccino, an espresso brownie. Okay, so those, <laughs> those are not aligned, right? And, but in the serious level, I have a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of executives who come to me and say, Craig, you know, we talk, I, we talk about values a lot because I really believe your values and your vision drive every decision. So that's where we need to start. And I say, okay, what are your main values for your, for your family life? And they say, well, I, you know, I really want to raise well-adjusted kids. I go, great. And then we get to the point where they're working 12 hours a day with a two-hour round-trip commute, and they don't see their kids. And well, how on earth, how on earth are we going to raise well-adjusted kids when we are out of the house for at least 14 hours a day mm. and, and have no time with them? So that's one of those examples where we're misaligned and we know it. And I'll be honest with you, I was very misaligned in my own life back when I had my anxiety attacks. So I, I was writing for Men's Health Magazine at the time. And I was a very good boy six days a week. But on Saturday afternoon, I would start drinking with my buddies and not stop till early Sunday morning. And you know, there was some, certainly some physical repercussions from that. But also, I was a hypocrite. I was a hypocrite. I was misaligned in my actions and my goals. And that was, I believe, one of the many contributing factors to my anxiety attacks. It wasn't until I aligned myself and started living a, a really well-lived life that I got away from that. Well, let's, let's dive into that a little deeper because I know in, in Unstoppable, you talk about the importance of values, vision, and then based on that, putting, to get, putting together a 90-day plan around one thing. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, the most important thing is we have to figure out what really matters first. Because as you said before, everybody... Everybody does kind of know what matters, but they then think, well, I've got five things that really matter. And we, we can't be working on five major projects. So that's where I challenge people first. So let's figure out what's most important in your personal and professional life before we build these plans. If you have a small business or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great. But some, like filing taxes and running payroll, may not be your one thing. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about that. Plus, it's easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Many of the old school payment providers just weren't built for the way that modern small businesses work. Gusto is. So as we go into the new year, ask the question, should we let somebody else wear some of those hats that maybe I shouldn't be wearing? In this case, listeners of the One Thing podcast can get three free months when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash one. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash O-N-E. What do you suggest to somebody when, when, we, when we say, okay, get clarity on, on what's most important? A lot of people draw a blank 
Because that's a really big question. And very quickly, they hit the wall of, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it is very difficult because there's one thing that I figured out recently, Jeff. I did the strength finders test. I don't mm. know if you've ever done that. Yeah, you familiar with it? I'm familiar with it. I haven't done it. Yeah, so strength finders is kind of like the disc and Colby and all those things. But instead of giving you numbers and putting you in a category, it basically ranks you on like 34 different characteristics. And I'm off the charts for visionary, futuristic thinking, strategic, and execution. And so for a long time, I thought a lot of people, everybody actually, I thought everybody thought the same way that I did, that they love doing visions, that they they have something, a clear path in their head. And I realized not everybody does. It's actually my gift. And so it's my gift to help people figure that stuff out. And the way that we do it, when I do work with people, I have the, a picture of an upside down, upside down triangle that's like on the front of my materials. And at the top, it says values and vision, because that's the 30,000 foot level that we all need to get clear on. And so you know, we raise ourselves up and we look down and we answer this question first, which is, in the next 10 years, what do you want to accomplish for each of your top values in life? So again, it's what do you want to accomplish in the next 10 years for each of your top values in life? Mm. And then I give them four values. So what do you want to accomplish for your family, your health, your wealth, and what experiences do you want to have? Now, at this point, people can dump out a lot of stuff. You know, They might put a couple of points underneath each one. And the reason why I drew it at my... You know, my worksheets as an upside upside down triangle is because we start with a whole bunch of stuff. And then by the end, when we're done our 90-day plan, we're down at the bottom of the triangle, right? The, I guess if you put it upside down or right side up, it'd be that apex of the triangle at the top where it's narrowly focused. Mm-hmm. So we start with values. I, I, you know, everybody listening can just sit there and go, okay, in the next 10 years, what do I want to accomplish? Or what do I want to have happen for my family, my health, my wealth and experiences? You know, how much money do I want to be making? You know, how much money do we want to have in our net worth? You know, what do we want to have for our family? You know, maybe you have young kids, you want to help them get into a college. Maybe you want to, um, maybe you want to have kids. Maybe you want to see your kids who are in college now have great families. Maybe you want to go on vacations with them for your health. Maybe you have spent the last 20 years taking care of the family and let yourself go. So in the next 10 years, you want to get your health back. Or maybe you're really into Ironmans and you want to do an Ironman in the next 10 years. So you write that down. And then your experiences. Maybe you want to travel to a specific country with your family to go back to you know where your ancestors came from. Or maybe you want to go... A lot of people love to travel right? that, that I work with. And they say, oh, I want to go to a new country every year. Whatever it is. For me, I just want to write more books. Because I've done some cool travel, but nothing matters more than writing books. And so that's what I write in my experiences. So now we have all this out on the table, Jeff. And the next question or the next thing that we do is I help them write a vision, which starts to narrow things down because we write a vision for their life three years in advance. Mm. I'm sure that you've done some of that stuff, right? Yeah. A lot of this is it mirrors our goal setting the now process. Love it. Love it. So what I do is, I don't know if you were, when you were a kid, you did these Mad Libs books. Do you remember those things? Uh, yeah. I love those things. I love those things. So I was like, so many people because they don't share that characteristic of that I do of writing visions, they get stuck. Like if you gave them a blank piece of paper and said, hey, write me what I call the movie script of your life. So it describes your life in three years from now. Most people will be like, I have no idea where to start. 
So what I did is I, I have this page and it's Mad Lib style and it's actually in the book. So, you know, people that get the book Unstoppable, they go through and it's like basically fill in the blank and you create this vision for your life. I've made it as easy as possible to do that. And the next thing you know, people can see a very, very, very clear picture of where they are going to be in three years from now. And it's narrowed down from that 10 years question we talked about values. So you got your values and your vision. And now from there, Jeff, we can then dictate every decision that we're going to do and move forward Mm -hmm. because we just have a much clearer picture. And so again, earlier we talked about watching the movie of your day. I like to use another analogy around movies here and say, with the vision, we're writing the movie script for your life. So if you were to read that out to me, or if I was to to read it out to you, you would be able to, to just completely see where I'm living, who I'm, who I'm living with, what my family life is like, and all the major things I've accomplished in my business. And now from there, we can start to put in place the plan that will get us there. Yeah. Well, I, I think the and this is where the principles are so aligned. People know how to set goals. Everybody can put goals on a PowerPoint page and print it off. Where people really struggle is having a relationship with the goals. Knowing specifically, measurably, like what are the handful of things I actually must focus on this week, the major priorities to absolutely be aligned with my goals and on track. And it's it's that habit of breaking your goals down that when you don't you don't set a moot looking forward, when you goal set to the now. And Craig's sharing, he goes out 10 years, then three years, and then he's bringing it down to where is he focusing over the next 90 days? When we teach people, it's someday... Five-year goals, one-year goals, that determines your monthly and weekly priorities, which drives your planner. So I would ask you who's listening to this, if we were to follow you around with a camera and watch how you are planning your days, are you doing it by looking up and looking forward and asking, what do I need to be doing? Or are you following a process where you reverse engineer what you actually want out of life to illuminate the clarity on your priorities for the week? And that dictates your planner. And I think that so well mirrors what we talked about before with the proactive and reactive Mm -hmm. approach to life. Yeah. Because if you are just operating on a day-to-day basis, that's a reactive approach. And again, you're going to be very busy and everyone's going to look at you and go, wow, look at that. Look at how busy you know Joan is. They work so hard. Right. Always busy, busy, busy. And but stuck in the weeds. And that then you compare it to like this other person, you're like, oh, man, that person, they don't do any work, but they seem actually pretty happy and successful. And it's because they have a bigger picture and are yeah. really focusing on the big things. So you talk about the idea of doing a 90-day plan around one major project. What do you say to the people who, especially the people, they're not entrepreneurs, they're not business owners, they are an employee in a larger organization. And there are constant things coming at them and they find their their subconscious just saying, that's not possible. I have more than one thing. Well, certainly. We all do have more than one thing thing, but not one thing, you know, one thing in all caps, you know, for sure. I, th- I think I think the the cover of Gary's book is all caps, right? Uh it is. Good. Yeah. So that's the one thing. And so we know that, listen. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, hey, we got to pick up milk tomorrow. That doesn't mean that you know that should be our focus. So we need to break it down. And we do have a one-year exercise in the whole system that I've mm-hmm. built out and, and work with as well, very similar to you. And so 
by now we've narrowed it down where it is clear that if we want to accomplish the the major one-year goal, then certainly there's something that must be done in the next quarter. And this is very common among almost any planning you know, systems that you'll get through, whether it's traction or the secrets of the Rockefeller habits and you know, Vern Harnish's uh, gazelle stuff. You're going to get to, okay, listen, in the next 90 days, you can only choose one thing that you got to focus on. And it, even if you, know, you are working for somebody else, and I've been in that situation working for large corporations, working for somebody else, that you, if you don't do this, you're just going to feel stressed and overwhelmed. And one of the magic parts about reverse goal setting, reverse engineering, as you described it, is when you do it properly, you can get it so that the steps become very clear. So even if it's a very difficult one thing, very big pro- uh, project, like maybe you have to organize you know, the company retreat in 90 days. Well, oh my goodness, we have 150 people coming in. We have guest speakers. Uh, if you just listed all the stuff that was going to happen on that day, you can overwhelm yourself. But you know, what's the best way to eat an 800-pound elephant? It's one bite at a time. Yeah. So you got to reverse engineer where you're going to start you know, biting off those things. And you're going to figure out the plan to get there. And the next thing you know, the big day comes along and everything runs smoothly because you did this type of planning. So that's, that's what I would say to somebody who resists it. Because you can resist it, but you're actually not going to be any better off if you resist it. You know, just jump into it. And it will dramatically reduce your stress and anxiety and help you perform better. It, it, it makes me think back to when I was a kid, Craig, and I was lining up dominoes. Mm-hmm. I didn't knock down each one individually. <laughs> I put them in a row. I tried to space them as equally as possible. And when I knocked down that lead domino, what happened? Boom, all of them. They all fell. So we want, we acknowledge. And are sympathetic to the fact that we all have more than one thing. Yet, if you ask the big question, the focusing question, what's the one thing you can do? Such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. If you really search for that answer, if you push back and further past, I don't know, and search for that answer, you'll find it. The question is, do you really have clarity on what that one thing is? And are you doing it first? If we opened up your planner, would we see time blocked for it? And if we followed you around with a video camera, would your actions show that you are acting in order of priority? Or would they show that you are reacting throughout the day? There's no judgment in these questions. We're asking them so that you can go inward and find the answer. So powerful. I love that imagery of of the you know camera on you twenty four hours a day. Do and and you know even just if it's like just checking you and your and your your time usage or your your screen time and all that stuff. It's a good way of thinking about things. Yeah. And, and I was actually talking to a friend the other day, and he says in our company we just tell our our team members to ask themselves this one question all the time, which is, is this the best use of my time? Right now, hmm. is this the yeah? Is and in most cases, a lot of people will be like, "Oh man, that's a good corrector." I need to get back to doing something else that matters. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is all about awareness, people, and this is a road to mastery. I don't believe. Let's put it this way: I'm getting. I get to work directly with Gary and Jay, who wrote the one thing, and I've never had a day that I was perfectly acting in order of priority. 
I'm way better than I used to be. And I still got room to grow. So I would remove any shame on whether you're perfect or not and ask, how can you do better? Craig, what would you suggest to somebody? Because I think the, the unique thing, we don't touch on this in the one thing that it seems like you go deeper into is that stress and anxiety side. If we had to weave it all the way back to that two-inch domino, that little two-inch domino, if they just flicked their finger, not only would it fall, but it would knock down the rest of the dominoes. What's the one thing that people are not doing that if they started doing would completely reduce stress and anxiety in their life? Oh, great question. So I found out this the hard way by having those anxiety attacks. And when I finally got out of my own head, that was the thing that made the biggest difference. So so there's a phrase I repeat in my book, action beats anxiety, motion beats meditation, and work beats worry. Now, I, I, I do and I don't. I don't mean literal meditation. What I mean is sitting there and stewing is never as or as good as getting out there and doing. So what I had the problem that I had in my first anxiety attack was I had this, you know, pounding heart rate and tight chest and elevated breathing and all this stuff and I just stayed in this tiny little apartment for an entire day, you know, worrying about what could possibly happen next. And it wasn't until I stepped outside of my apartment at 11 o'clock that night when I finally broke down and decided to go to the emergency room. I stepped outside in the fresh air and I felt 10% better. I got into a taxi and I started talking to the cab driver and giving him directions and I felt 20% better. I got to the emergency room, walked in, and you know, the nurse gave some human touch and you know, calmed me down. And all of a sudden, it was like I hadn't had any anxiety at all. But because I had spent all day long in my home, my anxiety engine revving, my, my wheels turning, my mind racing, I made things worse. So for the person out there who's you know, got some stress, whether it's you know, there's some personal stuff going on or whether it's you know, work-related stuff, if you keep that bottled up, if you keep that stuffed down inside of you, the more you stuff it down, the more you put the lid on that pressure cooker the greater the explosion is going to be. So what I want you to do is to talk it out. I want you to journal. I want you to, you know, if, if you really feel like you're having anxiety or on the, on the verge of attacks, you know, panic attacks, go to your doctor, see a therapist, get help. I mean, I see a therapist. Uh, my friend Bedros Koulian, who's a very successful entrepreneur, sees a therapist. And we tell all of our coaching clients, it's okay to go see a therapist. Talk therapy works. It's so very beneficial. And so if you keep all that stuff inside, no bueno. If you get it out in one way or another, you're going to be a much healthier person inside and out. So what I'm hearing Craig say is you need to be able to have a way to release it. So I'll ask you who's listening, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make releasing the stress and anxiety easier or unnecessary? Search for an answer. Go past, I don't know. And if that is not still yet a two-inch domino that with the flick of a finger you can knock down, what do you think you should do? Ask the question again. Well, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it would make doing that easier or unnecessary? And keep asking the question until it is a two-inch domino that you can knock down. One thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Craig, where can people learn more about you and Unstoppable? 
Yeah. So they can go to craigballantine.com and they can check out Unstoppable. It's on Amazon right now and also at beunstoppablebook.com. I was, can I say one thing, Jeff? Of is course. that the audiobook version, I am mm. so proud of it. It might be the best thing that I've ever created in terms of uh, education and entertainment. So I'm very proud of it. So if you're an audiobook person, you're going to love it. Yeah. And, and for those of you, if you do not have an Audible account yet, go to audible.com slash one thing. That way they know that we sent you because we know we've got a lot of readers in the audience. And when you sign up there, you'll get a, a free credit. So if you are new to Audible, you'll be able to get un- Unstoppable for free. Cool. Well, Craig, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it and all the work that you're doing. Yeah, it was uh, great to be on again and great to have met you in person there the other week in Dallas. And I can't wait to uh, keep this relationship going. Awesome, man. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Wall Street Journal bestseller of the brand new book, Unstoppable, Craig Ballantyne. Folks, everything we do is about simplicity. And in this episode, we talked about a lot of things from caffeine consumption. Craig talked about managing your breathing, looking at your values, your vision, your 90-day plan. And we want to streamline it by asking you the question, out of everything you heard in this episode, what's the one thing that really stood out to you? What's the one thing that when you heard it, you went, ah, that resonates. I, I, I'm interested in that. And based on that, how do we now turn that interest, that curiosity into action? What's the one thing you can do? Such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. I'll come back to Gary's story. Working long hours is cheating. You can do the wrong activities and you can muscle your way to a result and you cheat yourself out of what it actually means to live a life. If you want to live an extraordinary life, if you if you do, it requires that you be as efficient and as effective in the hours that you work and that at a pre-prescribed time, you shut it down and you go and you live your life. If you look at page 114 of The One Thing, you look at the seven circles, you can see your spirituality, your physical health, your personal life, your relationships, your job, your business, your finances. You can have a one thing for each one of those. And when you see, oh gosh, I could have seven one things, it can feel overwhelming. Yet the mistake that people make is they treat success like it's simultaneous. They try to knock all seven dominoes down simultaneously. It's one thing at a time, over time, that leads to extraordinary results. So pick one thing based on this episode. And if you're not in the middle of a 66-day challenge, go ahead and start one. Turn that one thing into a habit that sticks. And if you want to track your progress on your 66-day challenge, go to theonething.com, click on free stuff, and download the 66-day challenge calendar. That way, every single day that you do that one thing, you put a big red X on that calendar pretty fast. It becomes less about doing the activity and more about not breaking the chain. And for those of you who have the One Thing Planner, you will notice every single day in the bottom right-hand corner, there is a little space for you to document your 66-day challenge there as well, which you can find more about the planner at theonething.com. Click on the shop page and you'll see it there. Folks, if you are new to the One Thing Podcast, click the subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. We have a lot of great content coming your way and we can't wait to be with you in the next episode.